Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on June 25th, 2023. I reminded you last week that our faith, Christianity, the, the, the gospel, is not a moral philosophy, it's not a culture, it's not a political movement. It's a belief based on three historical events that are of prime importance to us. The incarnation. God became a man, Jesus. He left the glory of heaven and earth, and he came down and he lived here. The crucifixion, and we talked about that last week. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. These are the central events of our faith based on things that really actually did happen and I believe with all my heart it's a conviction that those things occurred. God did leave heaven and come to earth. Jesus did die on the cross for my sins and Jesus rose on the third day and he is alive. And we're going to focus on that resurrection today but I want to kind of take you back so you can bridge the time period between the crucifixion and the resurrection. The crucifixion had just taken place. I've often wondered, because the gospel writers say nothing about what the disciples and what the women were thinking on those days. My, my opinion, kind of my thought, as I figured out what was it like to lose Jesus... Maybe it went something like this. There was nothing left for the women and the disciples to do now except take care of the body of Jesus and arrange a permanent burial. The disciples probably thought it best, we need to stay out of sight. Maybe, just maybe, we're wanted and we might be arrested and the same thing happened to us. So the women will take care of that. They had to have been furious at Judas, the betrayer, the traitor. But they didn't have to take revenge. Number one, because Jesus taught them not to take revenge and not to carry grudges. But also because Judas had already taken care of it himself and killed himself. The city that they had loved. And every Jew grew up thinking and praying and wanting to go to Jerusalem. And they would go there several times a year. The city of Jerusalem now was a stench in their nostrils. So they would leave quickly. Probably thinking we could blend in with the throngs of pilgrims leaving after the Passover and will not be noticed. We'll be safer in Galilee. Maybe they talked about, what do we do now? Andrew and James could have thought about a return to, to fishing. Matthew maybe wondered if he could get his tax collecting job back but he no longer had any desire to help the Romans and money was just not that important to him. Maybe he thought, I'll write the memoirs of Jesus. His teaching deserves to be remembered and maybe someday he'll be revered like one of the prophets, Amos, Isaiah, Micah. The often gloomy Thomas had just disappeared. Nobody knew where he went. He was more of a loner and probably just wanted to grieve by himself. Maybe he had already gone home. 
No one said a word about him, and they were really in no shape to think about it. Jesus was dead. The women prayed and planned and waited impatiently for the Sabbath to be over. They had gathered spices and linen, wanting to give Jesus the very best burial that they could. But they had no future plans. They had never imagined a future without Jesus. And now he was dead. So they would take care of Jesus on Sunday, the day after the Sabbath. And then they would make plans for the future. For all of them, the women and the disciples, Jesus had intrigued them. Something, when they first heard him, something woke up something in their hearts. And they accepted him first as a great teacher. His miracles had absolutely amazed them. No man could do those things. And so they came to believe that he was the long-promised Messiah. But over time, they began to believe that he's more than that. He's more than just a promised man. He's God's son. But then his death disproved that. God doesn't die. God couldn't die. And it made no sense to them. And so now they're thinking through, so who was he? He was a great man, clearly. But now, is it all over? Peter and John weren't quite ready to go home. Peter's guilt in denying Jesus completely overwhelmed him. Maybe it even crossed his mind, I'll just turn myself in and I'll die like Jesus. But something held him back. There was some glimmer of hope there that something was going to change. And that glimmer of hope, that spark was kindled by John, who said, wait around, guys. I believe that something is going to happen. Jesus said it. Let's watch and let's wait. It didn't make sense to them. I mean, people don't die and then return to life on the third day. But John seemed so certain that something would happen, that they stuck around. And then came Sunday morning. Let's read about it. It's in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Here's how it reads. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You may be seated. I really do want you to understand the resurrection and what happened. So I want us to focus on what Luke really had to say about the resurrection. And then I want to ask you some questions about what this means to me and what this means to you. And so let's think about what Luke tells us about the resurrection of Jesus. And the first thing we see as Luke tells it is that the resurrection was totally unexpected. The women did not come to see Jesus. They came to prepare his body for final burial. They wanted to clean him up. They were going to anoint him, as was the Jewish custom, with spices, and they were going to wrap him in linen. This is more or less equivalent to today's custom of going to a funeral home, bringing the burial clothes, having a private viewing, and then making final arrangements. No one likes to do those things, but it's part of the process. And that's why the women went to the tomb. It wasn't to see Jesus alive. They came merely to take care of his body. Now, maybe it shouldn't have been unexpected. Maybe they should have believed. But their experience in their own lives and for hundreds of generations of human beings is that death is final. Jews debated an afterlife. The Pharisees believed in it. The Sadducees did not. Most people hope for it, but no one believes that you can die and be buried and come back to life. It just doesn't happen. So I don't want to pick on the women. This was their experience. You die, you're dead, you're gone. And if there's an afterlife, we don't know it until much later. And so the first thing I wanted you to see about the story is the resurrection was unexpected. Number two, I want you to see, as the angels announced, that the resurrection had been predicted. The women got there, and they found the tomb open. They were frightened when they saw two men, or those they presumed to be men. These men appeared suddenly, and their clothes gleamed like lightning. They were angels who normally work out of sight and behind the scenes. Only once in my life, and I'm not going to tell you about it today because this is about Jesus and not about me, but only once have I been pretty sure, almost guaranteed, that I saw an angel. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but my wife will verify the details. They're usually out of sight, behind the scene, doing God's work. But here they appeared and they reminded the ladies hey, don't be surprised. Why are you here looking for the dead? Jesus is alive. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Don't you remember? Didn't you believe? 
Wasn't this part of your thought process? Jesus told you this was going to happen. Do you remember? And then they remembered his words and hope began to fill them again. Now I want you to understand the resurrection is a miracle beyond words, but to actually predict the time on the third day of a resurrection makes it even beyond a miracle. I'm not sure what the word would be for it. But to say I'm going to rise from the dead is incredible. To say I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day and then rise from the dead on the third day goes beyond anything else in the Bible, but that's what happened. Jesus predicted it, and it happened exactly as he said it. Angels were there to announce it. Women were there to witness it. Before the day was over, two followers of Jesus, we'll read that next week, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and suddenly realized who he was. Peter had a private appearance with Jesus. Disciples would see him that evening. And in the coming days, there were over 500 witnesses to the resurrection. An incredible miracle proving that all he said was true. As a matter of fact, everything hung in the balance here. He predicted something that incredible, and it didn't happen. We could toss his words. But he predicted something incredible, and it did happen just as he said. And it was all the more miraculous because it was predicted. The resurrection was unexpected. Shouldn't have been because it was predicted And the third thing we see in the reaction of the disciples, it was unbelievable. There were at least five women here. You look at the names that Luke gave us and said there were others. So there's at least five women, and they ran back and they told the disciples. And the disciples did not believe them. Let me quote Luke's words. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. As much as they may have wanted to believe in their heart. They couldn't find the story believable. And I don't want to pick on them because I'm afraid that I would find myself maybe in their same um, sandals. It just doesn't happen that people die and come back. Maybe they should have believed it. Jesus had predicted it more than once. The women were known to them and they were very reliable women. But I'm afraid I would have been just like the disciples. No, it can't be. Those things just don't happen. Whenever we hear a story like that, immediately our our brain tells us that can't be true. Maybe you heard the story this week. You ever heard of a man by the name of Larry LaPrize? Larry LaPrize wrote, or at least got credit for writing the song years ago called The Hokey Pokey. You remember that song? You put your left leg in, take your left leg out. It's kind of a square dance kind of song. He didn't really write it. It had been a World War II square dance song that kind of took the country. It was called the the Hokey Cokey at the time. But he got credit because he's the one that actually wrote down the words and he recorded it and got the copyright. The news reported this week that Larry died. Let me read from his obituary. With all the bad news in the world, it is worth reflecting on the death of an important person who died almost unnoticed last week. Larry LaPrize, the man who wrote The Hokey Pokey, 
died peacefully at the age of 103. The traumatic part, this is from his obituary, the traumatic part for his family was getting him into the coffin. They put his left leg in and then the trouble started. You should have seen that one coming. I mean, you know, stories about the dead coming back to life just are not believable. But in Jesus' case, he's totally different because he's not a man who died. He is God who died. He is Jesus who came back from the grave in front of witnesses, and I believe it with all of my heart. 500-plus witnesses Disciples changed from cowards to world changers. Hundreds of millions of changed lives over the course of the years. Changed character that nothing else can explain. Reconciliations, broken addictions, answered prayer. I'm convinced it is unbelievable, but the unbelievable can be believed because it happened. And though the disciples were saying, no, it's nonsense, it couldn't be, by the end of that day, they believed. And they were changed completely. The final thing Luke points out is that it's worth looking into. And I challenge you all to do that. We see what Peter did, despite his guilt, despite his shame, despite his hurt, despite his grieving. Despite his despondency and his lack of belief, when the women said something happened at the tomb and there were angels there who told us that Jesus was alive, Peter ran to the tomb. Here's what Luke says. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I want to challenge all of you to, at the very least, to do what Peter did. Think about it. Pray about it. Look into it. If you're already a fully convinced believer in Jesus, you may not need this. But if you're not a believer, or you're a little bit of a skeptic, or you have some doubts, or you haven't made up your mind, note what Peter did. He checked it out for himself. He didn't rely on the words of the women, though they were true. He went himself to check out things, and he pondered it in his heart and his mind. Could it be true? God, is this true? If so, what does this mean? If not, what does that mean? Now listen, because I'm convinced that one of the great strategies of Satan today is to keep people so busy and so distracted that we failed to ponder the big questions of life. I got a thousand little things to do. I don't have time to, to ponder the big question. Is there a God? If so, what he's like? If not, then how do we possibly get here? Is there a purpose to life or is it meaningless? Is Jesus really God's son? If so, did he come back from the grave? And if he did, what does that mean for me? Look into this. Put some energy into it. Turn off the TV. Put down the remote. Get off social media. Turn your phones off. Get off the internet. 
and ask you and God the big questions. Pray. And I want to tell you, and this is, it's okay to pray in doubt. I've shared with you a hundred times the, 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 the prayer of the doubter. God, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, I want to know it. Because it's important. So if you're real, let me know. Read the Gospels. Think deeply. Seek advice from trusted sources of people of the highest possible character. Seek the truth. I mean, we, we act like we're, we're more interested in, in the latest song or who the latest team to win or lose is, what's going on in the news, what's happening with the submarine, what's happening in Russia. I mean, none of those are unimportant. But we need to do what Peter did, look into the big questions of life. Is Jesus really alive? And I cannot rely on what other people told me. He wasn't putting down the women. I think he trusted them. They had, they had been following Jesus with the disciples for years. He knew them. They were trustworthy people. But he was saying, I got to know this for me. I got to know this for myself. I got to check it out. This is not worth me listening to anybody else. I need to know the truth. And I hope you have that passion, that desire to look into it like Peter did. Let me ask you three questions that will help you, I hope. And I want you to answer them about yourself, about the resurrection, about Jesus. Question number one, do you just have an opinion or are you convicted that Jesus is alive? There's a difference about an opinion and a conviction. I've talked to thousands of people over the course of my life, so have you. Non-believers, skeptics, doubters, and believers. And here's something I've learned, and I think you probably have as well. People who just have an opinion about Jesus are unchanged. People with an absolute conviction that this is real, this is true, he is alive, those are the ones who benefit from their faith. Is your Christianity an opinion or is it a conviction? What's the difference? Let me give you some examples. I have an opinion, a belief, maybe it's just a hope that someday I will have a grandson or a great-grandson named Theophilus. <laughs> so far, I haven't convinced any of my children. I'm kind of hoping for the next generation, Wyatt, to name a son someday <laughs> Theophilus. It's an opinion with doubt based on the face he just made. And especially because in the last week when I talked to Kenny and Cammy, who are not expecting, by the way, that they just scoffed at the idea. I believe it's going to happen, but it's really more of an opinion than a conviction. You see the difference? I believe my wife will come home late tomorrow night 
from North Carolina. I've been a bachelor for the last week, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> but my faith in airline schedules makes it more of an opinion than an absolute conviction. You see the difference? I believe I'm in good enough shape for a rim-to-rim -rim Grand Canyon hike. My knees don't agree with me. So it's an opinion, not a conviction. You understand what I'm telling you? If you just have an opinion that Jesus is the Lord and that he is God's son and that he died and rose again and he is alive today if that's just your opinion it doesn't do much for you when it becomes an absolute conviction that's biblical faith when it becomes an absolute conviction that changes your life so answer that about yourself is this just my opinion Or is this something I'd die for because I believe it so strongly? It's a question we need to answer. Because I know a lot of casual Christians have an opinion that Jesus is the Son of God. Real believers have an absolute conviction. Question number two. And by the way, this will help you grade your answer to question number one. Do your actions indicate that you have an opinion about Jesus or a conviction about Jesus? Those with an absolute conviction that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he is alive today, that he has called you to believe in him. Those with an absolute conviction show it by the way that they live. So if you have that absolute conviction, you, you'll know it. Are you walking with Jesus? Have you repented of all known sin? Do you regularly tell people about your faith in Jesus? Do you talk with Jesus daily? Have you changed your opinions about right and wrong based on Jesus' opinions? Are you a truth teller? and a person of integrity? Are you honest in all your personal and business relationships? Have you forgiven everyone who has sinned against you? Do you love people, all people, especially the most unlovable people? Do you care for the sick, feed the hungry, and help those in need? You see, if you have an absolute conviction that Jesus is God's son, you will model your life after his. Your actions will show God, it'll show your church, it'll show your friends, and even your enemies will have to concede that you do more than hold a favorable opinion about Jesus. You are absolutely convinced that he is alive. The disciples were beginning to wander, beginning to doubt. 
beginning to fall away. They denied Jesus. One had betrayed Jesus. But when they became convinced that Jesus is alive, they became world changers. They loved people. They cared for people. They crossed all kinds of racial and ethnic and geographic barriers to tell people about Jesus. And they were willing, and most of them did, to die for Jesus. This was not just an opinion that Jesus is a great man. This was a conviction that Jesus is alive. And that became the heart of their preaching and their belief. Jesus is alive. Now, if you believe that, question number three. What else do you need to go all in? To be like the disciples. Become so convinced that Jesus is alive that it changes your character and your actions and your lifestyle. What is it going to take you to move from the casual Christian to the fully convicted, I'm all in, I'm following Jesus no matter what, that's number one on my list, that's my goal, that's my dream, that's my life. What is it going to take in your life to, to get from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be? Now, now I want you to think about that. Because oftentimes we, we diagnose, but we don't take any action. doctor says you're sick you need this medicine no thanks you got a problem you need the surgery not nah, not going to do that i mean diagnosis is only step one action is the important part so what do you need in your life to go from where you are to a fully i'm all in follower of jesus do you need to make some lifestyle changes Work on them as of now. Do you need to adopt some new habits? And start them today. Do you need to take something out of your life that's, that's causing you to wander away, causing you to sin? Then deal with it. Do you need to go to a class and learn more? You need to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again and again and again and again until you understand the, the heart and nature and lifestyle of Jesus. I mean, I often ask you the evaluative questions. Where are you? And I'm saying, okay, now you've evaluated yourself. Give yourself a prescription. I really want to be more like Jesus. So this is what I need to do. And then I want you during this time of prayer, during our time of response, during our time of invitation, talk that over with Jesus maybe I don't know what I need to do Jesus show me maybe there's one or two or three or four things I know I need to do I just haven't done them yet so I will as of today it has become a conviction of mine I, I tell you all the time there's a lot I don't know but the basics of the faith I do there is a God he is real he loves me Jesus is his son he died for me because of that my sins are forgiven he has called me to believe in him and follow him and in my case to preach his truth and I need to be all in I'm not there yet I got old this week I turned 65 I always thought by age 65 I would have this thing down I still got a lot to learn I still got some steps to make and so do you 
So let's take them today. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.